0: Jacob. This morning's message is entitled Jacob, a Man Transformed. We introduced him last week really at a time in his life in which he lived up to his name, which means deceiver or trickster. This morning we'll be in Genesis chapter thirty-two, and we're fast-forwarding in his life a little bit—about fourteen years or so, give or take. A time in which he lived up to—he continued to lift up, lived up, live up to his name. A time in which he continued to lie and, and continued to seek to work his own own way, using his own skills and using his own strength. See, We see a man who God had a plan for, God had a plan for Jacob's life, and yet he had to change him from who he was to who he wanted him to be. This morning we're going to look at that transformation and that transformation process and what God did and wrought in Jacob's heart and his life and how he transforms today. Look with me in Genesis chapter 32, beginning with verse 22. It says, The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants and his eleven children, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Pinuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, again for this day. This is the day that you have made. Lord, we ask that you would open. And enlighten us to the meaning of this passage and to this text. And Lord, to the truth that you don't want us to stay where we are, but Lord, you want to transform us. And you have a plan to do that if we would simply allow you to do your work in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We look at Jacob and one night... Changed him. Changed him in a dramatic way. This night that's recounted here in Genesis was the darkest night of Jacob's soul. It was the hardest he had ever fought. It is the most he had ever encountered because at this point in his life he had he had he had left his home and gone to the homeland. He's coming back with a family, and returning to, back to mom and dad's for the first time, facing what he knows is his certain death for his brother Esau had sworn on his life that th- when the time of mourning was over for Isaac, that he would kill his brother. Jacob knew his brother well enough to know that Esau would keep his word and was had the ability to keep his word. We see a man on a dark night, alone, facing the greatest fear, life itself. We see a man who had lived his whole life based upon his own strength and his own talents, his own abilities, and he was good at it. He could sell ice to Eskimos. He had surely tricked his, he had tricked his brother out of his birthright. He had deceived his father into getting the inheritance and the blessing and all of that. And yet now he came to this point and he, he was doing everything he could do. He, he, he prepared a special gift for his brother Esau and set it up ahead. And he, he, he had strategized on how he was going to place his caravan in such a way that the, the, the children, even like the most favorite wife and child were, children, were going to be toward the back of the caravan. They had the greatest chance of, of escape. And here Jacob is on a dark night the darkest night of his life. And he was alone. Alone with his thoughts. Alone with his fears. Alone wondering what the new day was going to bring. Would this be... Was this the last day of the joy in life that he had experienced? When the sun rose, would this become a day... Of mourning and of bloodshed. And was this the day in which everything, that, every mistake that Jacob had made, all of that was going to come home to roost? And he was going to have to face what he had done. He couldn't go back, and he couldn't stay where he was at. He was in a place he had never found himself before. What do we learn about this man, Jacob, who was transformed? Number one, we learn that Jacob fights with the Lord. He fights with the Lord. He's alone, but he only thinks he's alone. Who's there with him? The Lord is there with them. Had there ever been a point in Jacob's life that the Lord had not been there? The Lord had not seen or the Lord had not known? No, the Lord had been there the entire time. And here in this, this time of intense fear, intense struggle, intense strife, the Lord is there. But at this point, the thing that Jacob needs... Jacob doesn't need the Lord to come and pat his shoulder and say everything's going to be okay because guess what the Lord does? The Lord grabs him by the shoulder, but not to comfort him. The Lord grabs him by the shoulder and kicks him, <laughs> starts wrestling with him. And Jacob is a man and he, he's, a, he's a fighter, he's a struggling and gets striver. What does he do? He fights back. I mean imagine Jacob is having a, a cage match with God. <laughs> mono y mono. Now, isn't this interesting? At first, at first we see this language in verse 24, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. So who did Jacob think he was wrestling at first? Just a guy. Just Just some poor guy ambushed him in the middle of the night. But he fought. Jacob had fought with his brother Esau. Jacob had fought with his father Isaac. He had fought with his father-in-law Laban. And now he finds himself fighting with God. Because this was not just another man. Hosea 12.4 is very very strong. And and later in the passage, Jacob even recognizes that it wasn't just a man that he was wrestling, but he was wrestling. He was wrestling God. You got to think at what point it sort of hit him that he was facing an opponent he had never faced before. Every other point in his life, he'd been able to get by on his own strength or cunning or or deception, or trickery, or whatever it may be. And at th- this point, he could not say, oh, look, the Goodyear blimp, and you know, get away from the fight, or whatever. He couldn't do it. He couldn't slip away. Even if he, even if he tried, he couldn't run away from this fight and, and, and struggled with him, not one round, not two rounds, not three rounds, not twelve rounds. And guys, we were talking about our Sunday school class, we're talking about the boxers, and they go twelve rounds, and by the twelfth round... They're doing what? (laughs) These guys are going. I mean, barely, you know, lift their gloves. And this fight went all night. Fighting. Jacob, who could always find a way to get the upper hand, did not get the upper hand that night. I want to ask the question, have you ever struggled... With the Lord? Have you ever fought against the Lord? Have you, have, you ever, have you ever tried to run away from the Lord? Jacob couldn't get away from this fight, he couldn't get away with the struggle. Have you ever tried to fight back against the Lord? Jacob fought and fought and fought the Lord with every ounce of strength that he had. We look in this situation and we see, okay... Jacob is fighting the Lord, and it says in verse 25, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. We, we, get to, we get this idea that we, as we read into this, we think, man, was Jacob was Jacob winning this was Jacob winning this fight? I mean, he held God all night until the next till the next day. Was this battle, was this a fight in which Jacob was going to get something over on God? Sometimes we think when we're fighting with God or we're running from God that we're getting something over on Him. Hey God, I'm going to show you a thing or two. Just watch. Hey y'all, watch this. Famous last words, right? How does that work out? If you're fighting with the Lord right now, I mean you know He is He's either calling you to repent or He's calling you to serve in some way and you're fighting it or you're running with it. You're running away from it. How's that working out for you? It's real quiet in here. It's tough. And we can become like Jacob, thinking we're just going to fight this way out, God. I'm just going to fight you on this. And I'm going to fight you on this. And I'm going to run from you on this. And I'm going I'm to do my own way on this. And do my own way on this. And do my own, use my own strength and my own cunning and, and everything, my own flesh. And I'm going to beat you, God. Jacob thought that. Until, and Jacob thought he was winning. The man, he's trying to get away. What's the second thing? Number one, Jacob fought with God. But second, Jacob receives a limp from the Lord. He receives a limp from the Lord. This shows us Jacob may have fought all night and may have thought he was getting somewhere. How long did it take to get Jacob down? One touch. And we read this and think, okay, well, God, if if you're, like, if you're fighting with Jacob and you're trying to wrestle this man down, why didn't you use your superpower move in like 10 seconds? Boom, done. Winner, all-time winner of the universe right here, <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, if I had a superpower where I could go into a fight and touch you on the hip and your hip would come out of joint, I would, be, I would just be going to that move like the first time ever... I, I mean, why fight it all night? Why, you know what I'm saying? Right? Who was in control of this fight from beginning to end? God was. At any point, was Jacob, was God in any fear of losing this fight to Jacob? Not at any point. Who was this fight for? Was this fight for God? To teach God something? For God to win something? Who was this fight for? It was for Jacob. It was for Jacob to learn something. Many times we can can look at what trial and hardship that we go through in this life and we can look at that and we can think, man, I'm, I'm a fighter. I'm going to fight through this. This is awful. I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to beat. You know. I'm going to win. I'm going to win this fight. And we don't recognize that God takes even the struggle and the strife and the adversity that we face in this life in order to transform us into the man or woman that he wants us to be. You see, Jacob, Jacob went into this as never having really lost anything in his life. Laban got him that one time. Kind of tricked him on the wedding night kind of thing. And you know, maybe later he says, Well, I got a twofer. So, I, you know, I came, you know, he, he kind of rationalized it out. I, I really came out ahead. Right? And we can think that, and yet he had never lost. And God in this moment was teaching him a valuable lesson. He was teaching him the lesson that he was not strong enough, that he was not smart enough, that he could not do it in his own strength. He was taking a man who was full of himself and full of pride, and bringing him low, showing him who he really was, and with a mere touch, showed him how weak he really was. I say sometimes, like you know, when when you're young, and, and I, I turned 27 today. I mean, 37 today, and. Uh, when you're young, you think you're invisible. In- invisible. You think you're invisible. I did think I was invisible at two. I thought if I closed my eyes and I can't see them, then they can't see me. You think you're invincible. And then the Lord, like, puts a little age on you and things break or things break down or don't function like they always did. Or maybe you have some kind of brush with... Uh, Brush um, with death somehow. You just face, you come face to face with your own mortality. Maybe it's a, a diagnosis that you know from the doctor or, or different things like that. And you think, man, it. I'm. This world really is precious. I mean, life really is precious, and it is fleeting. And in a moment, it, the world we think we can build up around us and all the protections we try to put in place around our kids and our family and, and all of that, I mean, that could be gone in a moment. It could be gone. It, it really is fragile. And we look at these things and, 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 and God allows us to see these things to show us what? Our own weakness, but to show us His infinite strength and power. And Jacob comes face to face with the infinite power of God and the infinite power of God reveals jacob 's own weakness in order to receive god 's blessing in order you know Jacob is on the crux of going into the promised land and receiving the, the last part of the blessing that God had promised to Abraham and to Isaac and and reaffirmed to him, and he had to get Jacob in the place where he could truly bless him and to do that he had to strip Jacob away from the one thing he had not been willing to strip away. And that was his own pride. We have to come to the end of ourself in order for God to use us. Jacob received a limp that day. And that wasn't just one of these like, oh, I pulled a hamstring and give me like, you know, six to eight weeks of recovery and just stay off of it or whatever. Now I'm back into shape. He received a limp for the rest of of his life. Every day after that, Jacob was physically reminded that he was weak and God was strong. So Jacob fights with the Lord, he struggles with the Lord and, and, and the Lord humbles him. And finally we see the, the last part of this transformation. Jacob is renamed by the Lord. In biblical times, your name meant something. It was your parents named you, and it, it was reflective of who you were in your character. Not just it was a not just it's a it's a name in the family. It's a family name, or oh, it's a biblical name, or or I just like the way it sounded. But it it, it spoke to your character. Jacob's name, deceiver, spoke to his character. I mean, he lived up to his name throughout his life. And here at this moment in verse uh, verse. 27, the Lord asked Jacob, he says, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. I think there's more going on to here. Did, did God know Jacob's name? Did God Was God asking Jacob to tell him his name because God didn't know? He was asking for information or he wanted to make sure he spelled it right on the holy certificate, he was a, the little name change form he was about to fill out. Did God need to ask Jacob his name for that? No. Why did God ask Jacob his name? He said, what is your name? And so when, when Jacob replies, my name is Jacob, it's not just saying, my mother gave me the name Jacob. He's saying, I am a deceiver. God was asking Jacob to come clean with who he was. Jacob here, this revelation of his name, saying his name, was not just saying his name, it was saying to the Lord, you know what, apart from you, I'm a pretty sinful and selfish human being. That was necessary for the transformation that God was about to do. And it showed that not only had God humbled Jacob physically and touched his hip, because God could have touched his hip physically, and uh, Jacob could have gone the rest of his life like Captain Ahab and saying, I'm, I'm going to get him and you know, kind of limp the rest of his life and just turned bitter and turned against the Lord. He could have done that, but he... He was limping physically, but also he was humbled, not just physically, but spiritually, and revealing himself to the Lord and saying, God, I am a deceiver. And what does the Lord say? Said, That's no longer going to be your name. I'm giving you a new name. Your new name will be Israel. For you struggled with God, you fought with God, and you prevailed. Now, think about that. In our, in our Bible study this morning, we talked about how, man, um, how our, our past failures can haunt us. It's one of our discussion questions. And think about Jacob. Every time he said his name, it was a reminder of his own sinfulness and failures. And God said, You're not the same man you used to be. You're a new man. And when your children call your name now, I don't even want them when they call your name for you to be reminded of your past. Because I'm changing you. Because I, the Lord, have forgiven you. And the Lord promises. In fact, He tells us the Lord remembers our sin against us no more. That as far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. And yet we remember. And yet we hold our sin against us. Our past against us. And what does God say? God says it's for- it is done you have to bear that burden no more how many here want a new name how many here want a clean slate how many yes I see that hand my sister how many here want the freedom that comes in Christ it's total. Man, our own family doesn't forgive us like that. Our family may love us, but they don't ever forget. God does. He's the only one who can we can truly say forgives and forgets. Do we deserve that? Did Jacob deserve that? Jacob deserved to be... Pinned down by the Lord and pummeled all night, and then vaporized when he got done. You know, that's what he—that's what that man deserved. And yet, in spite of himself, God blessed him. In spite of himself, God showed His amazing grace. And this picture of Jacob—this is a—I'll take—I tell, tell you, folks, kudos to you. Need to give your Sunday school teachers a high five, a hug, and like, um, you know, we'll give them a raise in their, in their pay. We'll add another zero to their check because this is a tough passage. It's a tough one. It's, it's not one of the easy ones. That's why I love the study. We're, we're, they, they, didn't skip, they don't skip the hard ones. They skip the easy ones. But what does this show us? If there's hope for Jacob, there's hope for us. If God can forgive Jacob, He can forgive us. If God can transform this man... He can transform us. We live in a world that—it's like—we live in a world that says you can't change. You are who you are, and you just should be authentic to who you are. Well, guess what, guys? We're born sinners. Guess what? Guess what is happening in our world when we tell people you're born a sinner? Just go be authentic. Be an authentic sinner. Can you imagine? We're reaping what we are sowing. And yet God says, you don't have to live in your sin. You don't have to live in hopelessness. You don't have to live in fear. By faith, follow me, and I I want to do a work in you that the world cannot understand. Now, it's not in our text this morning, but it's amazing just as we conclude this transformation that happens for Jacob. He goes from the back of the line. He's in the very back. In fact, I mean, at this point, Jacob had sent everything across the river. This was the point, man to man, man alone with his thoughts where he could have been thinking, they might be better off without me. Maybe if I just slip out, nothing bad will happen. Maybe if I run away from this. Really, he, he was really in a dark spot. And wrestled with the Lord that night, and when he wakes up, well, I said wakes up, he never went to sleep. He fought all night. But when the sun came up the next morning, it says Jacob walked with a limp. You see him going down in the valley in full strength of the flesh. But he finds himself emptied of himself, touched by the Lord. The Lord gives him a physical limp. That physical limp made him weak physically, physically, but it changed him spiritually. He walked with a limp the rest of his life. He goes up the mountain, a limp. I don't know if he carried a staff or had crutches the rest of his life because of that. He moves from the back of the line the night before to the next day, he goes out and he meets Esau and where's Jacob at the front. Instead of running away from Esau, early in his life, running in fear, he runs to meet Esau and bows down before him. What causes a man to do that? What causes a man to change like that? The Lord. And Jacob was never the same after that. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys, when you meet the Lord, you come to the end of of yourself, and you surrender your heart, your life, your everything before Him, you're never the same. He changes you. Does that mean you still don't make mistakes? We still make mistakes. Every moment we're in this world, we're going to make mistakes. But the Lord doesn't remember them against us anymore. Amen? If you're here this morning, I, I want to challenge you. If you've never bowed the knee of your heart to God and come to the end of yourself, and that, that's what it takes to receive forgiveness and, and salvation. I want to challenge you this morning to surrender to the Lord. And number two, if you're if you're a believer in here, but there's some things in your own life that you're you're dealing with, some some sins or weaknesses or failures that you need to you need to confess before Him, A, and repent? Or B, there may be some things that you've already confessed and repented, but you're still carrying the burden. I want to challenge you this morning to leave it at the cross, because He died for that there, so that you and I might be free. Let's stand together as we close this morning. we just have a time of response. This altar is open if you'd like to come and have someone pray with you or or whatever, the, if you want to just pray before the Lord, or, or there in, in your pew, right there. This is the time in which we reflect. and It's a time I, I, want to, I want to encourage you, don't leave the same. Don't leave the same. This is the time when we can do business with the Lord. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank You for, for this day. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Lord, the work You did in Jacob, and the work You want to do in us. And Lord, I pray that even in this moment, that we would get out of the way so that you can come in and take over. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.